0: Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigvi. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders.
1: The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique.
2: Let's just look at it and then I'll get you in. You get on the plane. And we drifted down through there. And right in the middle of the bar was the biggest tarpon I'd ever seen. It looked like a like like Red October parked there, maybe seven foot fish. And uh Marshall threw the greatest cast in the history of fly fishing, and the fly landed right in front of that fish, about 60 feet away, and it swam up and ate. And at that point, I'm just The schmo with the boat, and he got that fish on the reel, and the fish was off to the races. And and I'm like, you got to get that drag down, but you got to be on a plane in two hours. And Bill's yelling at me, I'll cancel the trip. And I'm like, no, you're not. I got to get you. You've been here three days. You need to go back to church. And about 45 minutes later, we had that fish to the side of the boat, and it was about a. uh, I'm guessing, you know, you you can't take that fish out of the water. It's actually even illegal to do that. And so you don't weigh them. There's no scale. So, but it was bigger than I was. Let's put it that way. So 160 and, um, he popped it. Yeah. Yeah. He popped it. And, Mar- and uh, I'll never forget Marshall at 16. He was the, probably says, he probably says about five words a day. He's not a talkative. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, yeah, you know what you just did here? He's like, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh,
0: that was captain Greg McKee of Wildfly charters a fishing guide who started guiding in Key West in 1995. In 2005, he moved to the island of Viaques, Puerto Rico, and guided in the beautiful Caribbean. He often fished the waters where his parents retired, Matlaché, Florida, focusing on fly fishing for redfish, snook, and tarpon. Captain Greg relocated to southwest Florida full-time in 2009 and has been enjoying his passion, saltwater fly fishing, ever since. His customers think the world of him as they follow him from Key West to Puerto Rico and now Pine Island. Here is Captain Greg. Well, Captain Greg, thank you for coming.
2: Thank you for I, having me.
0: I know it's your busy season.
2: With- my busy season, but my first podcast. I'm happy to do this. This oh, is exciting.
0: We're very fortunate to get you. <laughs> We've heard about you. Thank you. Thank so. you. Um, where we like to begin is uh, a little background. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I saw you grew up in Pennsylvania, but yes. growing up, well, where you went to school, mm-hmm. your career. Um, yeah,
2: um, the the I did. I grew up in um, in uh, West Central Pennsylvania, a little town called Greenwood, at Altoona, Western PA. Uh, Steelers fan as opposed to an Eagles fan. Yay. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh kind of bailed out of there as early as I could because I hate being cold and Western Pennsylvania. While I have a soft spot for it as a very cold and rainy place. So I, uh, I wound up down in Key West on a whim. It was not plan a, but, uh, about early nineties, 92, a little after hurricane Andrew, a friend and I. Kind of got a wild idea to drive as far south as the road would go. And um, we wound up down there. Um, He was a musician and uh, was immediately employed on Duval Street. Uh, Still down there, still very successful. And uh, I had no plan whatsoever as a kind of a college dropout that I was. And uh, I, um, I, uh, I always had been an avid fisherman. And I saw those guys down there in the keys, pushing their flats boats around. And uh, I'm like, that's not much different than how we used to drift the, uh, the Susquehanna river when we went, uh, catfishing or, uh, yeah, I grew up bass fishing especially, but, uh, well, I, it, it wasn't a big passion. It wasn't plan a, but man, once I got into saltwater, I'm like, that's uh, this is what I need to do. This is, this is really cool. And, uh, yeah, and it was a really good time to get started. And in our mid 90s, there were there were not that many guys down there doing it. So I kind of fell into guiding at the right time in the right place. So got lucky, and then uh, did that for 10 years.
0: You didn't have a boat right away, did no, you?
2: No, no, I did actually. Um, I bought a, I, my first job, I got a job on a dive boat. Um, I had no diving experience, but <laughs> in the <laughs> at that time, if you showed up on time and borderline straight you get that, that was the dive company I worked for so um they wanted a warm body on the boat because they need it. so anyway I did that for um two years and actually um I very quickly uh I, I bought a, a very inexpensive three thousand dollar flats boat uh and proceeded to uh learn the water down there this was before GPS wow. so I had a paper chart and I would run aground yeah And you then I yeah, down there
0: can't that you. was
2: I, I spent a year running aground um and then it's about it took me about a year before I could go out from almost anywhere in the lower keys and come back without hitting the bottom and then I realized, well, okay i I can get out and come back. I can figure out the fishing much later and um and that's kind of what i did I, I borrowed some money off a friend, and uh, I had enough time at that point uh, to get the captain's license and then ninety five I bought a Used 16 foot Maverick for $11,000, uh, crazy uh, small amount of money compared to what they cost today. And uh, you know, started guiding in '95, opened the opened the business, Wildfly Charters, and '95 um, was the right time to do it. Uh, a friend of mine was who loaned me the money. Also, um, he decided uh, we're going to get on the internet. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna pull our money together. We're gonna get twenty five hundred dollars to buy a desktop computer. I think a Dell. And we uh, we signed up for AOL. And uh, about three days later, when we actually got online, and uh, we went, I think I paid six hundred dollars for a website. And I said, "This internet, this is a fad that is not gonna work." <laughs> and- <laughs> And uh the next day I had 14 emails booking me for trips because I was at the at the time I was one of two inshore fishing guides in Key West that had a website. And uh it, it kind of snowballed and I had no idea what it was doing. But and I And they
0: were from all over, right? They
2: were yeah, they were starting to come from all over. And like I said, at the time I was a nobody guide. Um and um and I could go out and I could come home and, and, you know, not run the boat aground. And occasionally we would catch fish. And, and a lot of times we didn't, but I got him out and I got him back safely and uh, it kind of snowballed. You figure it out. And then the, that, that I did that for 10 years, then in Key West.
1: So other than the change of temperature, which we kind of followed you, uh, we through job transfers were in Philadelphia and didn't mm-hmm. take the cold and got down to Florida. But, and we visited Key West, and we enjoy it for a few days. And yeah. But a little bit about that's got to be a, I mean, Altoona and the train museums and all that. Yeah. You get yeah. To
2: <laughs> the horseshoe curve.
1: Yes. The yes. Curb. <laughs> now you go down to. And, and God love him, but live and let li, live. Key West, dominated oh, yeah. by tourism. I mean, that was almost the alpha and the omega for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the tourism, the tourism aspect of Key West was. Yeah, you can you can step away from that okay. if you step off Lower Duval Street, uh, then the town it's it's very believe it or not i i you know there were parts of that town that were very much like matlashay pine island, no kidding no it kidding. was yeah, it was very very um uh, back then, especially it was actually a very tight uh community uh there were thirty thousand people there, which was not um much fewer than kind of the town but it, it had a small town appeal, it was very safe mm-hmm. and all that, but it was also you know it was happening it was fun, and as a sure. twenty three twenty four year old you know, single guy who was invincible at the time. It was, it was a great time. You know, you could have your fun. <laughs> you could, you know, get up at six in the morning after two hours of sleep and do a fishing trip and stuff that would put me in the ER today. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was, uh, yeah, I just, my thing was, uh, you know, I I just, I remember putting my toe in the water. I think I rolled in down there. It was like late October and I remember dipping my toe in the water because I hated cold water. And I'm like, oh my God, this is 84 degrees. I don't, I can so um
0: you could live there forever yeah 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 yeah
2: um and I thought I would but uh you know the circumstances took me out of there the the other problem with Key West and I I was after a couple years uh, you know I I got pretty successful as a guide and I got as busy as a guide can be I was doing 200 plus days a year making pretty good money um, the drawback was the cost of living mm-hmm. down there. Even, even then the late night, it was outrageous mm-hmm. and ownership of a home had passed me by. Uh, I met the girl who was going to be my wife eventually. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and at that point, uh, I had a roommate, you know, I had a, wow. I had a house of, I had a house of my own for a while and then it unfortunately got sold and the rents jacked up and. And uh, now I'm back living with another guy, which is fine when you're, but now I've got this girl and, uh, you know, the, the, and yeah, the media, I think the median home price then, it was in it's sadly not much different than it is around here right now. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, at the time, it just priced me out of existence and it was time to to look elsewhere. So I yeah. bounced down to Puerto Rico for a few years. And, oh, before, okay. Yeah, yeah, there was a small island off the coast of Puerto Rico that uh, called Vieques. And um, she and I went down there. I actually bought a house down there because the price is like one tenth. And we did that for five years. And, um, but in the, during the, the Key West time, that was when my folks found Matt Lachey in Pine Island. And so I was coming up here. And- wow, that's a great place. That's a great place. I could, I could fish there someday. I'll get back up
0: there. That so was think- 2001, right? When they, yeah, when they, they, they found, I was still in Key
2: West there and dad, mom and dad took, they were about 60 back then. They took an early retirement and, um, you know, they bought that little cottage on Velma street in Matt Lachey. I remember finding the Island with them and uh, like, I oh, just fell in love. I'm like, this could be yeah, I'm not, I wasn't ready to leave Key West at the time, but yeah, like, yeah, this is. But
0: you kept visiting. You know, oh yeah, visiting. yeah. I would
2: drive. I was a five and a half, six hour drive. You know, I could, I could come up and we we could, yeah. And, uh, but it was always in the back of my head that, uh, yeah, I could come here someday. And then after sure. a couple of years in, in Puerto Rico, my wife got a job offer, um, in Fort Myers with, uh, with Morgan Stanley. And that's not a job you turn down. So I'm like, Hey. Fort Myers is right. That's, yeah, I know that's my backyard. We can, we can easily do that. So 2009, 2010, we settled here and and now we're here for good.
0: And your yeah. parents must've been very happy.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Built-in you know? grandparents yeah. and all that. Yeah. They have built-in babysitters. Yeah. So yeah, it worked really well. It meant yeah.
0: to be.
2: Yes, absolutely. And dad loves to fish. He bought himself a flats boat right away. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was just a perfect fit.
0: And you still go back to the island, don't you, to, to, to Puerto Rico? No, no,
2: no, actually I haven't. Um, we sold our place down there. We okay. got. Um, it, it's been quite a while. I was going back and forth for a little while, but then I just, I fishing here became a year-round thing. I just, you know, this is this has become such a, it, you know, it's becoming a really great destination. And uh, so, yeah, so now right here, it's, it's year-round right here. I, I can barely make enough time to go back to Key West, which is, I still have friends <laughs> down
1: there who, so uh yeah, now fine islands where it's at right now. So you had the big change from central Pennsylvania to mm-hmm. Key West. Right. And then you leave Key West for an island off Puerto Rico. So uh, were you Spanish speaking or was that another See. learning?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: learning curve if you will.
2: I, I learned it pretty quick. I okay. I I um I, I, I fortunately Puerto Rico is is still technically part of America and this right. little island um called Vieques was a an offshoot. It was actually an uh I didn't even really know about it. A Navy pilot I would fish with down if Key West told me about it. He's like, "Hey, you got to go check." Yeah, and um, but um, I, over half the population spoke English, and I spoke okay. passable Spanish. I picked mm-hmm. up like Key West. You pick up a lot of Spanish because of the Cuban community down ah, okay. there. I remember my marina had a hardware store around the corner, and literally the grandpa and and uh, the abuelo did not speak a word of English, so you had to go in there and order your so I picked up uh I picked up Spanish. And, and to be honest with you, Spanish is a pretty easy language to learn. And um my wife, who does not look Puerto Rican at all, would attempt to speak Spanish and people would just immediately switch to English for her. <laughs> <laughs> She's blonde and blue-eyed. And so they like they would they would talk Spanish back and forth to me because I'm kind of dark skinned and have a tan, but like they would have been man it would go in the post office. <laughs> oh yeah, Oh hey, how you doing there? <laughs> so it was a great spot for a while, but uh, but yeah, that was up until 2010, and then we, uh, so it, it was time. It was a small, the, the fishery down there was fascinating, but very small compared to here. Okay. I didn't have the extensive areas to fish. Um, I was the only guide on the island uh, who did flats fishing, inshore fly fishing, so that was great, but it got pretty boring after a while. there was like two bays that I would fish, and the oh, customer's like, a- yeah, it was it was, it was was really, it was like, honestly, I, I described it as a fantastic. It was like the movie Groundhog Day for me. Mm-hmm. You know, every day I was going to do go the same bay and cast the same school of bonefish. And we would catch them and the customers liked it, but I knew the next day I'm taking somebody else there. I think. So um, it didn't have the expanse that the Keys did, or, the, or here, you know, where you can go a different spot every day and never... Okay. Mm, exactly. Gotta keep it interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, this area right here, compared to, you know, of all the places in Florida, I think Pine Island is... Uh, yeah, I would say only the Everglades is, uh, you know, a more, a more productive and expansive fishery. Pine Island is, is really something else, and, and not a lot of people know about it, so that's why I was...
0: Although the people living here all like to fish, I mean... this. It is, is pretty- a fishing community, yeah, yes. yeah,
2: it is a fishing community, and it's, and it, and it's a, uh, it's like kind of, and what I really like about it here, it's an everyman's fishing community. The Keys kind of priced themselves out, that went away in the 70s when the money moved down there. And, um, but yeah, here you can still be, you know, a a person of ordinary means and, and, uh, you can fish six, seven days a week up here and, and, and be, and, and, uh, and be successful at it too. It's not a difficult place to fish either. I tell all that. I always tell people that the occasional seminars I do, this is a great place to, uh, to be really successful in Florida without extraordinary expense or Putting yourself in danger, mm-hmm. <laughs> you go into the Everglades. You can not come back. You run aground in the Keys. You can tear the bottom of your boat off. But up here, you really don't have to worry about that too much. Yeah. You're never out of cell phone range. So.
1: so you mentioned bonefish. Any other kinds of fish that you were able to target down there? Or was it kind of limited to not only to the two bays you mentioned in Puerto
2: but- Rico? In the Keys, it was. It's, it was, and the same with uh, your, your Caribbean big three or the tarpon, bonefish permit. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, we, we would target those. That, that's a straight, those are all three strictly catch and release species. Tarpon were always my, you know, once I caught my first tarpon and, and I remember, I could remember it was like yesterday I was in a kayak in a canal off Key West, not far from Jimmy Buffett's house in the dark. And, <laughs> and I jumped a tarp. And I'm like, and I knew what they were. I'd seen it on TV. I'm like, oh my God, I never really thought I would do this. Mm-hmm and uh yeah it was tarpon 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 i just love tarpon and still up here today right now we're in the thick of tarpon season and pine island has a tarpon fishery that i really didn't even know existed here and uh it's it's pretty mind-blowing our our tarpon fishery around here
1: yeah because you kind of hear about is it boca grand pass or something that seems to be a favorite of the tarpons yeah oh
2: that's a legendary spot that that always has been um you know, the, It's a different fishery from what I do. I'm strictly an inshore oh, okay. skiff fisherman. You know, my boat's an 18 foot uh, the, the skiff make called a Beaver Tail. It's a very shallow draft boat. I still do that same style of polling, mm-hmm. sight casting. 75, 80 percent of my customers are still fly fishermen. Okay, um, which has its moments. Today was, uh, you know, for instance, you saw the weather today, the overcast, the wind. Uh, not a great day to do it but we still made it work uh no tarpon today but uh the last couple of days you know out, right outside of uh boca grand pass through kayakosta just an extraordinary amount of fish are coming through there right now yeah.
0: Yeah. But you're right about the winds i i don't remember a year this windy
2: it has been windy um and um yeah if you've got f- uh, fly fishermen they can either deal with it or they can't um my guy, the last three days, is one of my aces. He fishes with me several times every year. He can handle it. And so, not, you know, not our favorite thing. But I did say the one thing uh, the heat the last three days, the heat index of it, it's 91, 92, yeah. and the heat index is in the oh, hundreds. Oh. That wind is the only thing keeping us alive out there. So, but, um, that's the unfortunate thing about tarpon is they do come through here in the summer months, and I always tell guys the best time to fish for them is in the height of the summer when it is atrociously hot out there, and uh, they they do like it because they're a migratory animal, and that's when they happen to come through here when it's when it's really hot. So this and is your when your
0: customers are from all over the world, aren't they? they? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, my guys today are uh, Minnesota. Uh, my, my, uh, guy the last week was, um, he's an Arkansas guy, so he can handle the heat, um, next week. I've got a guy who's got a, a place up in, uh, Georgia and he has a, he's a Boquilio resident too. So, but, uh, yeah, every once in a while you get a guy from, uh, from Europe, Northern Europe and, uh, this, this heat and humidity, <laughs> you, just, you, know, you tell him, Hey, drink water, drink water. <laughs> I haven't seen you drinking water in the last half hours. So, but, uh, yeah, they get used to it though.
1: So, um, how do you have to adjust for weather? I mean, the heat there's not too much you can do other than to me, this is more August heat right now, yeah, the it way is. it feels. but mm-hmm. um do you have do you have locations or do you change where you're going, oh, like wind yeah. and waves and those Absolutely. kinds of the conditions yeah.
2: when you're when you're in a smaller boat like mine, you're not you know the Boca Grand Pass is not my fishery. That, that is an area, Boca Grande is famous for, because it's a narrow area, mile and a half wide, and the amount of current and the depth in there too. It's actually spots in Boca Grande Pass that are 60 feet deep. Okay. And it, it is an expressway for tarpon. They come through there by the thousands, but you've got to have a boat that can handle um, that chop that's in there, that current, it's, it's nearly exclusively a bait fishing area. Okay. It it can be an incredible, it's, it's not unheard of for guys to catch a dozen tarpon a day off a single boat there. Um, well, that's why you go to Boca Grande. It's why it's always has been a legendary spot. Um, it might as well be the dark side of the moon though, for a guy with an inshore boat like mine, a skinny (laughs) water boat and, and, you know, more power to those guys, you know, and I've always told people, if you have to, get a tarpon on your bucket list. You maybe want to call the guys in Boca Grand, but if you want to do this with a fly rod, we might need three or four days of your time to do this. And, uh, so yeah, so days like this, it's all about getting guys out of the wind. And, and, um, the other unfortunate thing about the wind is that the tarpon, it it just may, especially the cloud cover, it makes them extraordinarily difficult to see. Uh, But, um, but you know, they're a fish and you've probably seen them in your canal. They do come up to the surface. They're famous for that coming up for air. So they give themselves away for that with that. They don't do it as much when it's choppy. So these last couple of days have been a chore. But uh but they're also a, a full grown tarpon's a six, seven foot fish. So she's pretty tough, you know. That's that's a tough fish to uh to stick and but they're also it makes them it's kind of hard for them to hide when they come across those clear sandy bottoms out there.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so our closest encounter to tarpon have been um port Jefferson mm-hmm. uh, they the offer key, yeah. snorkeling equipment yes. out there yeah. and um so we're like, you know will we maybe see some reefs or just look at the fish or something like that and it was amazing. I guess we were non-threatening, or they're used to it. We mm-hmm. were actually kind of snorkeling inside the school. That's fantastic. They were yeah. rolling, and yes, I have yeah. never uh-huh.
0: experienced. I still, re- I, I think about that all the time. Yeah, how yeah. you know how how lucky we were. Uh huh. Yeah, there's not much when they're
2: full grown. There's not much that bothers them other than larger sharks. Yeah. So, yeah, people I've actually never done that. I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous. I've never gone out to uh, to swim tortugas? with them. I, I've been yeah. out there, but never to got, get in the water. I was always out there to oh, fish sure. and all that. Yeah, I, oh. I always have wanted to do that on that at the, off the keys. And uh, I've been in the water with Tarpon before on the dive boat, but we never made a trip out to the Tortugas. Well, we That's fantastic. We trips,
0: but we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We're just snorkeling, right? Like, what are they? Right. Yeah. They were wonderful—seven-foot-long
2: <laughs> silver monsters, uh, and that... they're
0: and they're spinning mm-hmm. around. We yeah. just we just loved it. That, yeah. it was an amazing day. Yeah,
2: and that's probably part of their spawning ritual that you saw. If you see them doing those circles, those—that's mm-hmm. uh, that's what they call a daisy chain, and that's a spawning thing that they do. But the
0: rolling, too. yeah,
2: the rolling is them coming up to the surface for that gulp of air. Okay. They're they're one of those ha- handful of fish that's actually a partial air breather um yeah so primitive such a they've been around the fossil record for like i think 160 million years wow. but they can yeah they can supplement the air the oxygen from the water mm-hmm. and that's another reason why the midsummer is such a great time to fish for them here because the hotter the water gets the lower the oxygen so then the more they come up and the easier they are to see but the drop is by 9:30, you're ready to drop dead from heat exhaustion so these things all you all these things i tell guys that you got to take into consideration here but yeah that that would be very cool i always have wanted to do that to just go in the water with
0: them very right if you don't want to mm-hmm. take a
2: boat out there. or you take the seaplane you know oh yeah.
0: yeah yeah
2: i don't know what that costs anymore
0: but even that, the tour mm-hmm. was was yeah. lovely yeah it, it i highly recommend it for people that go to key west just get on the oh ferry very ride. much yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely so um, other species that you target in this area, or is it primarily tarpon? This time of year, it's tarpon, tarpon, tarpon. But um, we have a phenomenal
2: redfish uh, fishery, which are one of the you know more widespread inshore game fish. You have them all the way to Texas, Louisiana, through mm-hmm. the Carolinas. Um, fantastic eating fish. Oh. If you want to catch? Yeah, whatever. our redfish around here. In addition to being the prettiest-looking redfish you've ever seen, they just the 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 colors on them. um, Their diet is primarily crabs, so they taste like lobster so and i do yeah after and uh after 10 years almost 15 years of catch and release fishing in the keys in puerto rico it is nice to eat fish which i will do <laughs> and uh our snook fishery is very good although they're closed right now it's their closed season and our uh, sea trout we've got sea trout which are very easy to catch and mm-hmm. uh and doing very well, too. All three of those inshore species are actually doing really well. Yeah, Our water is actually in really phenomenal shape. Well, that's good to know. Which is one of the things I, I was looking forward to doing is to tell people that, yeah, no matter what you hear, our water around Pine Island is actually doing really well right now. Oh, that's good to there's, know. Yeah, there's no evidence of the red tides as we sit here right now, June 16th, whatever day this is. Um, yeah, the water really is, is in terrific shape, and the fishery is solid so get out there
0: now how did you come up with wild, fly wild Charters? Wildfly
2: charters I was a fly fisherman actually if my friend who fronted the money he he's <laughs> he spat it out I think he he was uh he was kind of a video background he he was doing some kind of and he had a he had a video in California it was wild eye and he said I'll I'll restart this which he never did and you call yourself wild fly and I'll be wild eye and I'm like, fine, it's (laughs) wildfly. So yeah, it's really nothing more interesting about it than that. He just spat it out. And then I, and uh, wildflycharters.com was obviously not taken in 1995 and done. (laughs) So
1: it stuck. But I do think a lot of times there's probably some people that put tremendous amount of thought and struggle over a company name, mm-hmm. and then other people are just like uh, I put. Oh, I just yeah. thought of it one day. No, I
2: put absolutely
1: or, no thought. Of, like I said, <laughs> I was sitting here. Like, How about Wild Flight? Done.
2: He's like, it's available. Done.
1: Did the um, did Ian change anything with the water, or do you think the efforts in terms of some of the, you know, I know there's Captains for Clean Water mm-hmm. and some other initiatives all yeah. across Florida do that so. You know, with the with the water kind of being sucked out and pushed mm-hmm. back in, was there is there a cleaning effect with that? I mean, did you notice a yes. change pre and oh, post? Oh, very
2: much. Um, hurricanes, the one thing I tell people, and I was, you know, they, they're part of nature. Yes. It's an unfortunate, so a red tide, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's an unfortunate part of nature, but it's part of nature. It's as much of a part of nature as the change of season. Unfortunately, it, you know, we just choose to live in a place where every once in a while, every generation, you have to get punched in the face by nature and uh, yeah, um, Ian did change the water uh, somewhat for the better. It, okay. it, the hurricanes are a, a, an incredible nutrient flush. All the nutrients that that get um, accumulated in the mangroves get pushed out. Okay, And I noticed that right away like 48 hours after the storm just the, the amount of bait that was in the water was was unbelievable. The fish we saw, it, it was like nothing else I'd ever seen. The other drawback, though, it balances out is unfortunately you've got all the human debris. Yes. Uh, the debris or human debris, the debris that goes with humanity that unfortunately also got flushed out there. Now, you know, the shrimp boats at Pine or down at Fort Myers Beach, they all had a lot of diesel in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that, that, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing when, when there's no human before we were all here. Yes. A hurricane needed up and it was no different than a wildfire in a pine forest. Right. You know, those need to germinate. And these mangroves, they don't necessarily need the hurricane, but it doesn't hurt them. But, You're
0: right about the flushing out. I didn't even think of that. We came when we came back after Ian and mm-hmm. we came back as soon as we could, as soon as it opened up, we had, the canals had emptied out into our yards and yes. we're still here because mm-hmm. of our fencing Yes. and all our neighbors, right? you know, feet of, mm-hmm. of debris that yeah. cleaned out the canals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, um, you know, the, the, the mangroves themselves contain all that detritus and that uh, most of it natural, you know, mangroves are natural land builders and, you know, their own leaves fall down and they, you know, they, they, they create land as they grow at a very, very slow process. But yeah when that hurricane, that water washes through it, it washes out all that, that biomass that's in there and, uh, and it can benefit the water. It can, mm-hmm. but then also, like I said, all the, you know, the yards and the golf, you know, the golf courses. And then I, un- unfortunate, but after, yeah, there were no long-term negative mm-hmm. side effects. I think that the red tide bloom that happened afterwards was probably a, exacerbated a little bit by the the flush out from the river, the clue, and the beach. But, um, now, as we sit right here in June, there's no evidence. You, you look at the, the red tide report that comes out twice a week from Fish and Wildlife. The entire coast is clear. There's no signs of, of any of that right now. And we're in red tide season with the hot water. Mm-hmm.
1: So fingers crossed. Yeah. You know? that
0: well, that's
2: interesting because yeah. I think
1: when you think about those kinds of things, and certainly the waste getting washed in, but mm-hmm. typically you hear some saying, "Well, in fact, I." It, I don't know if it was Charlie or one of them. There was like a new cut. They're that was Santa yeah. Captiva. That was yeah. North Captiva.
2: Okay. cut the island in half. And I was or just fishing there the other
1: channel day. that you used to go mm-hmm. through or cut you used to go yeah. through gets filled in, right? Yeah. Because some of the shifting. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's not as much as discussed about the habitat and and the changes. Yeah. Potential Ian, to
2: that. And Fortunately, uh, Charlie and um, my my folks were here for that. I was still down in Key West. Um, Charlie was such a tight-packed and fast-moving storm with an eyewall, I think, and it was way worse, you know, the the speed of it. That's what cut North Captiva in half famously, and uh, they called it Charlie Cut or Charlie Pass, the large swath of the island, and it filled in eventually. It's still, but we were, I was literally just fishing tarpon off of it pointing it out to my customer right there. We, we could have drove the boat through there in 2004. <laughs> um, it's still a low slung area, but it's all, there's vegetation there and all that. That's off North Cativa. But, but uh, Ian didn't do that, didn't change the topography okay. of too many places because it was such a massive and slow moving storm, which also resulted in the destruction because it did take its own sweet time and come through here when there yeah. was an enormous amount of water. But yeah, yeah. Charlie was a unique one that, uh, like I said, Charlie, Charlie was, was like a, you know, just some Tasmanian devil that tore through here. But, uh, yeah, Ian took it. Ian didn't, Ian didn't really change any of the topography oh, okay. through here. And, and the eye, the other thing with Ian, that was really fascinating and you know, we're sitting down here in St. James city where you guys got the worst of it down here because you were in the eye wall the entire Mm -hmm. time. You got no reprieve, and, you know, you drive up north here a few miles, especially you go through Beokelia. They were inside the eye, and they had 45 minutes to an hour where the storm just stopped. And I remember when it came through over my house just outside of Malaché and the Cape, and uh, I remember stepping outside with my son and looking up and seeing blue sky. And I'm like, this is it. This is unbelievable. It's the second time I've been inside the eye of a storm. And uh, so, yeah, so they got the north end of the island, got the reprieve up there. You can drive through those places mm-hmm. in Jug Creek and Boquilio, and it's like the storm never happened mm-hmm. up there. But then, sadly, you folks down here, you got the worst part of it. But, uh, yeah, and Matt Lachey, where my folks live, they were, like, right there on that edge. So
1: they... they there was one and I can't remember which one it was, but it's not really germane. Uh, remember uh, she had to go into work and I was man in the house, of course, no power. Mm-hmm. So food is spoiling, but part of the, eye came through mm-hmm. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. So I actually went out and was picking up branches uh-huh. and and doing all that stuff. And then, you know, then the wind started and the rain started back up and then you went right. back and in hid inside again yeah. or something like that. But, she got home. She goes, "Oh, the yard looks pretty good." I'm uh-huh. like, well, I had like an hour, hour and a half to, yeah. you
2: know, clean up some of the debris. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. Yeah. When the, when those come through, and then the other thing that was really strange, and you had to get a a meteorologist somebody explain it to you, but further north, right in the center of the eye, it actually pulled the water out. If you talk to the people who were up there in like Jug Creek and Bokelia, They said the water emptied, mm-hmm. which is some strange. Yeah, that's an effect. I've I, Sadly, I'm not uh, well versed in meteorology as I should be. But, um, but yeah, it actually pulled the, uh, the water out of there while that eye was going acro- across. So they, they got double lucky up in that area. And it was a slow moving thing. But boy, when that second part of it came through, that's when it got actually scary. It was the first I've been through since 95. I, I, I'm telling guys I lost count of how many hurricanes I've been. I, I think I remember the names of like five of them the cat ones and cats too. I forgot, but that Ian was the first one. I was actually frightened. Well, that was, that, that was fight. going on. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the final three hours of that storm actually scared me yeah. like this. This is not going well. And no. but fortunately here we all are.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah, if that's my last one, I'll be a pretty happy guy. Yeah. I hope it's our
0: last well, one. Well, so many
1: have been non-events. They, they come close. They brush to the area. You get some mm-hmm. high winds, you get some rain. Yeah. Um, I don't know just from the up front. We, we sensed this one was different, decided to take, I uh,
2: yeah, but. yeah. I had, I remember about 36 hours before I just, this is getting us. I remember that uh, like we're getting it and we're going to get it really good. And I I remember that I'm like, this is the one. And I, I just had that said, it was still forecast to go to Sarasota there. I'm like, Nope, this is, this is going to do it. But, uh,
1: so how'd you do in terms of the, the boat was safe? Cause I, I brought mean, the boat. For us yeah, yeah. Potentially, mm-hmm. you know, we might lose our home or a car, yeah. but your livelihood was oh, very much. Yeah. yeah. I'm for I,
2: I, um, I took the boat. we put the boat in the garage. Okay. Um, and, uh, brought a couple other friends boats over to the, to the house where I, where I live out in the Cape, took my mom and dad out of, uh, their place in Matt Lachey. um, practically had to dragged my dad out in handcuffs cause he did not want to leave his house. <laughs> right, right. But, um, but it all, yeah, it, it all worked. And they, they were very fortunate too. They um, Charlie peeled their roof off, but they, yeah. Uh, but they replaced it with one of the steel roofs and it held. Mm-hmm. So it was drywall damage, you know, not downplaying it. It still was pretty terrible. That, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, my boat made it and uh, we put it in the water the very next day. And suddenly now I'm part of the great redneck Navy. Yeah. And we used it and my father's boat and a pontoon boat that I liberated from a friend who'd already evacuated. I helped myself to his pontoon boat and which would have wound up in his living room had I not. So we had a little uh, Judd and his family from yeah. Island Bike Works who talked to you. It was, uh, yeah, it was a group of us was just going back and forth, back and forth until the road came in.
0: Yeah, that it was all only by boat
2: then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the road was missing, which is the last thing I expected to see. I still have a video I was shooting on my phone of coming around the corner from Michelli's and uh, I don't see Bert's
0: oh. and
2: I, I don't see the road. <laughs> so oh. I thought, uh, yeah, I'm going to be out of work for quite a while. But uh, the miracle of, you know, Matt Lachey and Pine Island, they filled the road in and uh, about three weeks later, I was actually running trips again.
0: Oh my that's goodness.
2: Amazing. yeah, well, what was really great was a lot of the people who had homes and they were really fortunate the people up in Bochelia who got away with very you know they you know, booked themselves a flight to get down here right away. and it turns out they only needed to pull palm fronds out of the yard. so they started calling me and like, hey, i'm I'm here, can we <laughs> fish? So I really didn't miss much business that's that's so unbelievably fortunate that I really count my blessings for that one.
1: yeah, we got to ask a lot of questions. and I said, well, in this we had damage and Mm -hmm. i said but we can live in the house Mm -hmm. and the vast number of people whose homes were unlivable and they were completely gutting them and whatnot but so they said oh everything's okay i said well it's everywhere you drive because like for days we had to go get what ice every day because there was no power Mm -hmm. yeah you're just driving past destruction yes or the devastation excuse me constantly and then Matt Lachey is this little picturesque community with mm-hmm. the color. B- and to come onto the island, mm-hmm. and to your point, you see, the most you saw was pilings for so much of that stuff east right. of the bridge. Not yeah. that there wasn't damage west of the bridge. Right. But, I mean, just your mental image yeah. of...
2: Bert's being gone. Yes. Yeah. My, my mother and father, you know, we, we had my dad's 80th birthday party there. Oh, uh, which is yeah. Yeah, and uh, a couple weeks later, it was gone. So sad. Um, my friend Jimmy across the street did seven seas bait and tackle where I would often guide, but when I, I'd, I'd buy shrimp off of him and, and uh, the, the dirt underneath his, was not even there. And these birds, there were pilings there, but Jimmy's shop, there wasn't even the, there was like no evidence that he was even there and, uh, like just not even the dirt. It's just free flowing water. It was like literally the last thing I ever expected to see and uh, yeah and it's you know to the to a degree that the roads there but the devastation is still on each side so yeah, yeah it, it yeah it really reminds you every time you come across but we'll come back yeah. the island's coming back i i know it definitely
1: so you've mentioned some regulars um do you get a lot of snowbirds and visitors taking very for much. charters local yeah. residents etc yeah
2: i'm really fortunate after after almost 13 years. Like most of my season is just repeat clientele oh, guys yeah. that I've fished with. I, I really rarely fish with, with n- too many new people. Um, the last new folks I had were a father and son from England who were just fantastic. And now they've booked their return trip uh, for, for next year. They're coming for 10 days and uh, I've split that up. I'm going to give them off to some friends. 10 days is a lot of time to spend. Right. With two right. People. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they were a fun bunch of guys that they were, they were good. They were good. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's, it's pretty much what in my business, my, my boat, I only fish with two people at a mm-hmm. time, very rarely a third, but ideally one or two people. And and it's to the point where it's the same guys that come back every year. Cool. So yeah, my last three days I was spending with a gentleman from Arkansas who's just, you know, a terrific guy. He comes four times a year at least. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, but I, a surprising amount of these guys have just falling in love with the Island and. Wound up moving here, too. You know, my, uh, um, the island sells itself. That's what I really love about the place.
0: That <laughs> It sold it sold itself to us when we drove over the bridge. We couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. We have to move here. That's, you know, that's your immediate reaction. That
2: was what I said to my mother and father mm-hmm. as soon as we drove over the Matlaché Bridge. Yep. Um, at the time, this was 2001, where the Bat House Park is, there was a restaurant there. Okay. Uh, it's called this, I believe it's called the Snook Inn or the Snook Harbor Inn. It's a little, it was like Bert's. It looked like mm-hmm. Bert's, but there were two or three flats boats parked outside. I said, pull over. <laughs> and we walked inside and it was exactly what you want, you know, just this falling down place. And they had grilled mullet, fried mullet on the menu, mm-hmm. which I'd never eaten before. And uh like, this can't be good for me, but I'm going to try. And I said, you have to live here. Yep. You absolutely have to live here. And they did. And uh, It you know, does they, it they, to you. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely perfect. And uh, I said, this is like a little piece of Key West right here with the, you know, except it goes to bed at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we came from the workaday world where you get up and start mm-hmm. your day around eight, eight thirty, or something like that. What's a day look like for you? I know you joked about only getting two hours of sleep when you were younger <laughs> yeah. in Key West, but now that you're more experienced, yeah, nine o'clock, <laughs> I'm in bed. Yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I wrangle my kids in bed, and I'm right in there after them. And I assume uh, early mornings. Yeah, I'm up, but uh, not radically early. Um, six o'clock, I'll I'll get started. I I, I actually. Um, you know, you want to try to get out and beat the heat, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's an early thing, but you know, I don't really leave, we're not, uh, I don't make guys get up at four in the morning and leave in the dark, sometimes in the Keys we would do that, but okay. around here you don't need to. Um, a lot of the type of fishing I do is very visual, it's it's sight fishing, you it's that classic yeah. polling, and you know, you're looking for the fish, you know, as I'm up on my platform, the guy, we're spotting the fish down there, so I like a little sunlight for that. And again, and I like my and most of my customers are now older gentlemen too. So you got to let them have their breakfast and everything. And I'm <laughs> one of them now. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I'll launch at the park six thirty seven o'clock this time, which is right about sunrise. And then, you know, hopefully by twelve one o'clock, we're going to wrap it up before it gets too hot, and then I, you know, get off the water. Okay. I, I rarely, I don't do those eight nine ten hour days anymore like I did back there down in the Keys. That's just not my thing, but uh, if you can't get it done by noon around here, it's not going to happen anyway, half the time. Okay. So, so yeah, I try, try to keep it a little more civilized, but uh, yeah, this time of year, though, you do want to be off the water before it, that heat kicks in. Also, my boat, it has no shade and no bathroom. Yeah. It's your classic little flats boat. So it, when it's bearing
1: down, there's nowhere to hide. So, but and so then in afternoon, then it is like maintenance and prep for the next day or?
2: Uh, yeah, but fortunately, you know, that's that's the beauty of a small boat, a skiff. There's very little moving parts on it. Okay. It's not like an offshore boat, yes. which I've you know worked on and fished on before down in the Keys. I did brief stints as a mate. That's constant. You know, you've got, it's like a small house on the water. Mm-hmm. There's everything that needs to be maintained. My boat, I can honestly plug the motor in, flush the motor out and walk away from it. Cool. Yeah. Some days I wash it other days. I'll just, okay, it's going to rain in about 45 minutes. i so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: will
2: take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not out there killing a lot of fish or getting blood all over the decks, like the offshore guys do. So the boat rarely needs scrubbed down too much. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not as labor intensive as it sounds, but the actual, the fishing, the polling the boat, I still <laughs> do almost exclusively that. I'm actually pulling the boat with a push pole that cl- and, uh, uh, that i just love that so i'm i'm you know i'm actually standing and moving for mm-hmm.
1: four or five six hours in the sun so it's a pretty good exercise i assume it takes a little bit of effort to pull the boat or no. it
2: does yeah it does and it yeah it it's you know it it, it can keep you know you, you do got to kind of stay in good shape to, to do it and it and this time of year it is downright exhausting mm-hmm. on these last couple windy days and, and my wife is always getting on my case it's the, the last three days with my customer Donnie from Arkansas. He he and I get along great, and and uh, so I'm out till two, three o'clock. The time just blows right by with him. So you know, you promised you'd be home at noon, and it's three, <laughs> and you're so sunburned. Aww. So, uh, but yeah, it 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 can be it can be wearing on days like this, but you yeah. know. We've got a three-month window where it really is atrociously hot down Mm -hmm. here like nowhere else I've ever lived. Like Puerto Rico and the Keys. were Southwest Florida is unique Mm -hmm. as far as our heat and humidity. I tell everybody that. The Keys, you constantly had this breeze blowing your little island surrounded by water. So there was an evaporation effect and like a hot day down there would be like high 80s okay and um And but there was always a breeze but up here man when that it's 93 94 and that air stops moving and it, it just it's it's, it's next level hot right here not like yeah puerto rico was not this hot any of those islands down through the caribbean where we we went uh, never nothing like this 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 place is unique for its heat but but it's it's short-lived you know by by october we're gonna be you know then it's and and then Come February when the rest of the Chicago is forty below, then this is
0: this Wanna might be here. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, wouldn't be anywhere else. So maybe describe like uh, maybe one of the best charters ever. You know, best day out on the water, most successful day on the water, something that just pops up in your mind and here. You,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I if, here it, it, yeah, I'll tell you the the best day I. There's a lot of best days, but uh, one that really pops out, the biggest tarpon I ever landed, had a customer land, was a 16-year-old boy. Oh. Um, yeah, Marshall. And uh, he and his father, Bill, fished with me. They're they're two regulars. They were fishing with me in Puerto Rico when he was like nine years old. And um, then he followed me up here. Great, great guys. I'm like, well, we'll just, I had, unfortunately, had customers that followed me to Puerto Rico from Key West, and then now they followed me from Puerto Rico up here. So <laughs> hey, it was where you go. You well, that's where I'll go to fish. So that's great. He's a great bunch of people. But these two, um, and they wanted a tarpon. And um um Marshall the boy, he was just just turned 16. I don't think he had a driver's license yet, but he had just started fly fishing the year before and he was instantly good at it, like a lot of 16-year-olds. And I'm like, Yeah, come down the end of April, three good tides. And uh that's that's I picked the days for him. So they flew down and Um, we did not see a single fish for three days. It was, they were, they weren't here. And I felt about two inches tall. Like, I cannot believe I told you to come here. I am so sorry. And, uh, two in the afternoon, they had to be on an airplane at five. And I'm like, let's, let's, we're going to bag it early. And we went, we even went into lazy flamingo for lunch. Something I never do. I never leave the, I'll eat lunch standing on the platform with a, Mm -hmm push pole in my hands you guys can eat while you're fishing you know we don't take breaks you know and um so we even went into flamingo and then we're like gonna go and then there's a big sandbar off of uh, bokehlia and we'd already hit it twice and they just i'm like hey on the way out here let's just drift through there again and five minutes just look at it and then i'll get you in. you get on the plane and we drifted down through there and right in the middle of the bar was the biggest tarpon i'd ever seen it looked like sudden, like like red october park there maybe seven foot fish and uh marshall threw the greatest cast in the history of fly fishing and the fly landed right in front of that fish about okay. 60 feet away and it swam up and ate and at oh that point God. i'm just the schmo with the boat and he got that fish on the reel and the fish was off to the races and and I'm like, you got to get that drag down, Bill. You got to be on a plane in two hours. And Bill's <laughs> yelling at me, I'll cancel the trip. And I'm like, no, you're not. I got to get you. You've been here three days. You need to go back to the trip. And about 45 minutes later, we had that fish to the side of the boat. And it was about a, uh, I'm guessing, you know, you you can't take that fish out of the water. It's actually even illegal to do that. And so you don't weigh them. There's no scale. So But it was bigger than I was. Let's put it that way. So oh 160. God. And um. He Your joy, it.
0: huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. He popped it, and Mar- and uh, I'll never forget Marshall. At sixteen, he was the, probably says he probably says about five words a day. He's not a talkative. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, you know what you just did here. He's like, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, and that to this day, that was God. That was probably about eight years ago, and and that, to this day, that was the biggest uh, biggest single tarpon I ever and had anybody land it. May have been like some kind of uh, a line class record for a fly rod. Had we, you know weighted officially which i it wouldn't there's a bunch of rules that you do that so not saying it was it wasn't the biggest one ever caught on a fly rod but there might have been a some kind of record in there but that fish is still swimming up in in charlotte harbor somewhere and uh yeah um once a week this i I see a fish swim by me like right there goes a world record Uh (laughs) so yeah, that was that was a, that's the day that sticks sticks with me around here. That's the day people ask me, you know. That's the one I talk about. Kid didn't have a driver's license. And well, uh, I know
0: you love teaching people fly fishing. You said that gives you when I read you wrote that in one one of the articles or on your website that mm-hmm. you like teaching.
2: Yeah, yeah, on the webs. Yeah. I uh I can get someone up to speed. I, I do like doing it. I, you know, uh, ideally if you're going to pay for a fishing trip though, you've practiced beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it, 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 it fly fishing has, has its, there, there's times and places where it works better than anything. And then there's times and places where it's, uh, you know, a pretty dumb thing to do a blowy overcast day. If you're not really good at it, it, if you're a beginner, these last couple of days would have been a terrible time. Mm-hmm. But when it's dead calm and all that, yeah, it's it's a fine time. I love to fly fish. It's the name of my part of the name of my business. It's not my religion though. I will take spinning rods out. I love throwing shrimp under corks and mm-hmm. you know just I do that with my kids. My kids still don't fly fish yet, but they'll get started. But uh, I'll I'll catch a fish anyway. But uh, yeah, if I had one fish to catch one last day here, it'd be a throw a fly at a tarpon. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, there's just something unique about
1: that, so other than the fishing, any other hobbies or interests that you pursue when you're when you're not busy trefing
2: <laughs> well uh you, n- not that many i mean fishing it's uh it it kind of takes over everything when you do it for a living, and uh you know the other th- the thing about guiding also is you don't fish right. Um okay true. I'm always on the back of the boat uh, and so. The times that I can get down in the front of the boat and actually catch something are pretty unique. And I, I also try really hard on my days off to go back out there. Cause I do like to remind myself of how ungodly difficult and demanding it can be. Right. So I don't get temperamental or short with my guys when they <laughs> blow a cast at a fish guides can be famous. The keys guides were always famous for that, for screaming bloody murder at somebody. If you missed a fish and which I never did though. you be percolating under the surface some days, but I never vocalized it, but, uh, but I would, that was because I would get down there on the front of the boat when I had the opportunity and remind myself, wow, this is really tough. And (laughs) those fish are really nerve wracking. And that's really, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a seven foot fish there. That's making my heart race. And, and I see it all the time. So for the guy who's coming from Colorado and sees it once a year, yeah, no wonder he's a ball of nerves. So, yeah, I, that's that's pretty much what I do on the day's off is try to get back on the boat. Oh,
1: cool. Excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: So that was wonderful. Thank we you. Appreciate you doing this. Thank we, you we very much. Talk to you and listen to you forever.
1: Well, it, I it, would love to, Yes, Thank you. It, My first is we're podcast. terrible fishermen. We share that at the end. Well, yeah, We're going to fix that. Yeah, we're so, going to get you. No, we so
0: admire you. We've been out. We've been out fishing a lot. We don't mm-hmm. bring back much, but um, we love it out there. And we have friends who fish. We go out we've gone out mm-hmm. with them, but we so admire what you do.
2: Well, thank you. Well, we're gonna make a point too here <laughs> in the next couple of weeks when I, I start getting back to normal a little bit, we'll get out there. Okay. Uh, yes, absolutely. That'd we'll, be
0: wonderful. Yes,
1: no problem. Yeah, this was fun to do. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.